The expressed views of the following podcast are those of the hosts and theirs exclusively. They do not represent the views of our sponsors. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into the show. Real quick, something special has happened. Now last season I told you all about how Larry Showalter of L&M Roofing is the consummate professional, offers you service with a smile, treats you like family, and gives back to his community. Well guess what? Larry has teamed up with our man Stephen Terry and his family, and they have created a dyad in the force. L&M Roofing is now Upscale Roofing, and it is the premier roofing company in the state of Texas. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I believe in these guys that much. Sponsorship be damned. I know these guys personally, and I know how much it means to them to provide the best experience when dealing with issues with your roof. Issues you may not even know you have. So how about you call Upscale Roofing today and schedule your free roof inspection? The number to call is 281-930-7368. That's 281-930-7368. Tell Larry, Stephen, and the guys that Nick from Smells Like Middle-Aged Spirit Podcast sent you Upscale Roofing. Our quality is through the roof. Live from the Stephen Terry Pest Elimination Studio, this is the Smells Like Middle-Aged Spirit Podcast. Smells like a gym bag. It's strong, but you'll get used to it. Now, introducing the best damn podcast crew in the biz, here's your host, Nick Stevenson. Ladies and gentlemen... Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night, whatever time of day it is, wherever you may be listening in the world. Welcome to episode 58 of the Smells Like Middle Age Spirit podcast. You heard the voice, guy. We are live in the Stephen Terry Pest Elimination Studio, and I am your gracious and humble host, Nick Stevenson, introducing the best damn podcast crew in the biz, starting with Mrs. Naomi Richardson. What it do? Yo, yo. And my man Chris Khan is in the building. Yo. And you will find Josh Beard on the ones and twos behind the upscale roofing producer's desk you're looking good back there man i like that shirt isn't that that nice turn your mic up a little bit there you go there you go okay you You, you look good though you look and now you sound good looking fresh and clean look thank you guys so much for joining us um we have a very special guest in the building uh dr richard harris has blessed us with his presence and um he's here to school us a little bit educate us on some health and wellness He's uh, very well versed in it. He actually is a fellow podcaster. His podcast is talk- is called Strive for Great Health Podcast. It's wonderful. I recommend you guys check it out. It's very informative. And as you'll hear in a moment, he's just fun to listen to also. Very, very silky voice. Thank you for being here, uh, <laughs> Dr. Harris. Can I call you Richard? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'll, I was going to ask, like, do you want to be like, sir, doctor, mister? Like, how are we doing this? Yeah. 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 I, I always tell people, listen, doctor is what I do. It's not who I am. Right. Gotcha. Absolutely. I and know a lot of people, they're like, well, I, you know, I worked hard for that title. And I'm like, yes, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And and you have too. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But over, the, so I've been following you for a while through Pod Houston. That's that's kind of where we got connected. Shout out to Ozeal and, and everybody else in, in the Pod Houston group. And that's one thing I've noticed about you. You're an extremely humble guy. Like, despite the fact that you have a very impressive resume, you're extremely good looking. Uh, you have a beautiful wife. Like, you got all your shit together. You, you got it going on, bro. So, like, we were happy that you came to join us. But you, as I've been talking to you over the last several days, like, you're just super down to earth, man. And I'm super glad that you come and do this crazy show because it's a little bit different from what you do. And uh, But we're going to we're gonna have a good balance because this is a really important conversation. We want to talk about health. We want to talk about 
you know, especially at our age, is something we got to start thinking about. And then we're going to have a little bit of fun, too. Before we get into it heavy, uh, I want to remind you guys that there are a couple of ways you can help support the show. Number one, you could shop the Spirit Swag store and get your rep, uh, get your Spirit Swag so you can rep your favorite podcast in style. Uh, also, you can leave us a tip in our tip jar. And the Okay, so there's two ways to find the tip jar. Number one, it's going to be in the description of wherever <laughs> you're listening or watching. Or you can go to bit.com. L-Y slash just the tip TX. Did I get it right that time? You got it right. There yeah. we go. <laughs> but yeah, you guys, if you're enjoying the show, just leave it a tip. Whatever you give us, it's going right back to the podcast. I want to address this really quick, um, if I may. Uh, last, our first episode, um, I said that it was this one was for Deuce, and it was for my friend Jeremy Doucet, uh, who passed away. And I should have done a better job of explaining what that was about, because some of his family tuned in and like thought the episode was going to be about Deuce. And I felt really bad about that. So I just wanted to explain really quick. The last time I saw Deuce, we had just finished last season. It was tough. Like, I was not sure if I wanted to do another season. Like, I was telling him about the struggles. And Deuce was always a very positive guy. And he said, man, if this is what you love to do, you can't give up on it. And that's one of the last conversations we had. And so when he passed and we were talking about him, I thought about that. And I said, you know what? Even though our offseason was tough, all of us went through some stuff. And the fact that we made it through it, we stuck to it. And even though it was hard, we did it. I was like, you know what? This one's for you, Deuce, because you would have told me not to quit. You did tell me not to quit. And here we are. So I apologize for any mistakes or misconceptions. I wanted to make sure his family knew I was not using his death as a way to bring people in and then do a bait and switch. It was kind of a personal like this one's for you, Deuce, because, you know, we made it through some adversity and he would have been he would have been proud of us. All righty. Um. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to get some headlines from Naomi, and then we're going to get to know Dr. Harris here, and we'll get into the meat of the show. It's going to be a good time. Let's do it. Headlines. Headlines. All right. We're starting south of the border, and torrents of floodwaters and mudslides dragged cars and houses through the streets of Metropolis, located in the mountains of Brazil, just north of Rio de Janeiro, Tuesday during the most intense rainfall in decades. One video showed two buses sinking into a swollen river as its passengers clambered out of windows, scrambling for safety, and others straight up being swept away in the waters. The death toll rose to at least 110 as of earlier today, and local officials said it could still rise sharply with more than 130 people still unaccounted for. So our uh, positive vibes going out to those. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Just north of Rio de Janeiro. That's There's terrible. no way to prepare for that. You know? No, that's scary. Uh, The U.S. has suspended Mexican avocado imports as of the eve of Super Bowl, thanks to drug cartels. No. Yes. So get your avocados now, people. (laughs) Avocado exports are the latest victim of the drug cartel turf battles and extortion of avocado growers after a U.S. plant safety inspector in Mexico received a direct threat. Um, So they just stopped that altogether. Unfortunately. So did we just completely stop buying avocados from Mexico? Oh, no. I still got the jingle avocados from Mexico. We can still get them from Cali, right? They're not They're not the same. Oh, yeah. You know that. You know they're not the same. <laughs> At Cali price. <laughs> sure. On Wednesday, uh, Disney announced the launch of Story Living by Disney, a new community for Disney fans to live in that incorporates the company's brand of magic. These master plan communities are intended to inspire residents to foster new friendships, pursue their interests, and write the next exciting chapter in their lives, all while enjoying the attention to detail, unique amenities, and special touches that are Disney hallmarks. 
Disney said in a press release. Did I like get that right? You got that. I think that's that really great. what it that's sounded smooth. like. I love that. <laughs> a 9.4 million uh, ticket, a lottery ticket, was sold out of Pasadena on Valentine's Day, but has not yet been claimed. So it was for, not me, guys. It was not for me. our I'm local sorry. listeners, check your tickets, man. Yeah, I'm about to read ticket. the numbers. Get those tickets out right now. Digging the garbage. The winning numbers were two, fourteen, which I think was really cute on Valentine's Day. Two, fourteen. Get it. Got, 16, I, I <laughs> 19, 25, 28, and the winner did not choose an extra. The winning ticket was sold out of Moto Food Mart located at 4900 Space Center Boulevard in Pasadena. So if you've got one laying around in your purse or on the floorboard of your car, uh, be, you may want to double check that. Wouldn't that be awesome if they found out they won from listening to us? That'd yeah. Be funny. So <laughs> if you catch a ticket and you find out that you won by listening to this, <laughs> You remember the link to the tip jar? Because we can, you know, put that up on the <laughs> right, screen right. again right now. Right, <laughs> We'll say, you know, 20%. 20%. Okay, yeah, you know, I mean, it's finder's fee, technically. Um, the Dallas Cowboys quietly paid $2.4 million to cheerleaders who accused a team exec of locker room voyeurism, ESPN mm. reports. Oh. Um, yeah. He was letting it all hang out? Well, a former team senior vice president for public relations and communications for the NFL franchise was accused of allegedly letting himself into a changing room of the cheerleaders to take images with his phone. One of the accusing cheerleaders said she spotted him behind a partial wall with his iPhone extended towards them as the women were changing and that he got into the dressing room via a back entrance and his security key card. Wow. So way to just, you know, quietly take care of that, but... I don't know how much more you can I didn't hear nothing about so what's that. What's worse, that Josh, or Deshaun Watson? Deshaun yeah. Watson. Josh, our, okay, our resident touching. cowboy fan, what do you think about that? <laughs> it looks like neither Texas team has <laughs> any shadow of <laughs> anything anymore. Oh, man. Tell me about it. We scandalous. We scandalous, y'all. That's messed up. Was that your headlines? On that the money? On the money. On the money. Right the music oh. ended beautiful. We did not interrupt her not one time. We did good. Man, I was reading so fast y'all could not interrupt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, last episode, we went off on like 12 tangents. That was great. Guys, that's our headlines uh, for the week. Very good, Naomi. Our headlines are brought to us by Stephen Terry Pest Elimination. Let's get an ad from them really quick, and then we'll get into the meat of the conversation talking to our special guest, Dr. Richard Harris. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? It is your gracious and humble host, Nick Stevenson. Is your house haunted? No, not by ghosts and goblins. I'm talking about insects and rodents. It doesn't have to be Halloween for critters to make your house a spooky place to be. If you have these unwanted guests, you already know what I'm going to tell you. There's only one man to call, and that is Stephen Terry at Stephen Terry Pest Elimination. Talk to anybody that's hired Stephen. And they're going to tell you the same thing. The man gets the job done. Say goodbye to those unwanted visitors because once you call Stephen Terry, they ain't coming back. Monthly mosquito treatments, fire ant treatment, flea treatment, DIY kits, and so much more. Don't waste your time with the guys who knock while you're trying to have dinner with your family or the guys calling at the worst times of day. You get on the phone and you call 713-477-0047. And make sure you tell them that Nick from the Smells Like Middle Age Spirit podcast sent you. If it's scary, call Stephen Terry. All righty, you guys make sure you give Stephen Terry a call. Take care of it now before all the mosquitoes show up. It's gonna They'll be here soon, so take care of it now. Very soon. Really quick, before we get into the meat, uh, once again, it is February. It is Black History Month, and I want to bring up another inventor that you may not have known about. Today, we're going to talk about Garrett Morgan, who in 1923 invented the traffic signal. 
I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. We like traffic signals, <laughs> Which right? people are still trying to figure out to this day. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. So with only an elementary school education, black inventor and son of an enslaved parent, Garrett Morgan came up with several significant inventions, including improved sewing machine and the gas mask. However, one of Morgan's most influential inventions was the improved traffic light. Morgan was one of the first three light systems. Morgan's was one of the first three light systems that were invented in the 1920s, resulting in widespread adoption of the traffic lights that we take for granted today. Thanks to the success of this, um, of his other inventions, Morgan bought a car. I'm sorry, bought and get your shit together, Nick. It's a typo. <laughs> Morgan bought in car and as a motorist, <laughs> he witnessed a severe accident on an intersection of his city of Cleveland, Ohio. In response, he decided to expand on the current traffic light by adding yield components, warning oncoming drivers of an impending stop. He took out the patent of the creation in 1923, and it was granted to him the following year. So thank you, Garrett Morgan, for the traffic light. It is still serving us well to this day. That's all stative. right. Still around those red lights. Straight out of Cleveland. Speaking of which, all right. Our special guest once again is Dr. Richard Harris. How are you doing today, sir? Man, uh, I'm alive. I'm blessed. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we talked about how I met you through to, through Pod Houston. Let's get to know you a little bit better. So Dr. Richard Harris was born and raised. I'm sorry. You were born in Cleveland, Ohio, and you moved to Houston when you were 13. Okay. So what do you remember about that transition? Do you remember living in Cleveland? Yeah, I remember living in Cleveland. We lived in Cleveland twice. There was a span where we lived in Belgium, which was actually the best thing that ever happened to me. That's wow. fun. Yeah, as a seven-year-old, we were moving to a foreign country where mm-hmm. I didn't speak the language, didn't know anything about Belgium, and we went from the inner city to the country. Wow. And just that juxtaposition, like being just dropped into a new country, a new language, a new scenario, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden I had friends from all over the world. Wow. In my international school. And so I learned very young that even though we're all different, we're pretty much all the same. We want the same things, no matter where you're from, what, what language you speak. You know, we want to be loved. We want to take care of our families. Right. We want to experience new things. We want to try new foods. Like, it's all the same. <laughs> right. And so that gave me a new perspective because you come back to America, and most people have never left America. And, you know, we're pretty universal here. We all speak the same language. Right. You know, it, travel across the states is easy. There are subtle differences, but, you know, I learned a lot about what the world was really like. Yeah. Help get him in the pocket a little bit better, too. Get him a little bit work. closer. We got a, I'm sorry. Our mics have a, just, but yeah, there you go. And turn him up just a tad. How old were you when you moved to Belgium? I was seven. Okay. And how, how long did you live there for? Two years. Two years? So you, oh, got, wow. you have a pretty good memory over there? Mm-hmm. Man, I would kill to go to live in Belgium yeah. for a that, little while. Was that two years of speaking English or using another language? So at the time, if you went anywhere, nobody spoke English. Okay. Because this was 1990. Okay. Right? No internet. Right. <laughs> no cell phones, right? So I learned French when I was over there. And like a typical dumb teenager, I never spoke it again. And <laughs> right. And my best friend in, in high school spoke French and got all the girls. And I, <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's how it works, right? Were you kicking works. yourself in the ass for oh, not, yeah. not remembering all that French? I was French? so mad at myself yeah, for yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. See, I was born in Holland, so I... I remember being over there, and I loved it. And so yeah. I'm excited to hear about any experiences from Belgium. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's great. You know, I think that's what probably is missing from a lot of kids is being exposed to other cultures. That's what helps us grow and expand. And like you said, you realize that we're really all the same. 
even though we may not look the same. Um, so let me, let me ask you when you were in Belgium, um, is that where, when did the desire to become a doctor or to get into medicine, when did that start for you? Because education it, was probably different there than here, right? It was. Even my education here was different. I was at a Montessori school as a kid. Okay. So I think we were here back in the U.S., back in Beechwood. I was around 9 or 10. And my mom got me a book called Gifted Hands by someone that most of you have probably heard of, Ben Carson. Yes. Oh, hell yeah. Cool. Yeah. And so I read that book, and Ben Carson was one of the first people to perform a separation of conjoined twins in the head. Right. And I said, this is so cool. I think I want to be a doctor. Yeah. And that's really what started that journey for me. At 10 years old. There's not a lot of people because, okay, when I was 10, I, what do you want to be? Like Batman? I want to be an explorer. <laughs> you know, no, I, and we've heard of this kid saying, oh, I want to be in the NFL when they're young. Like, I want to be a doctor. But, I mean, when you're a kid, your mind can change 700 times but before you become an adult. But you knew you wanted to be a doctor. And you knew that was the path that you were on. Um, and as you got older, how did you continue to, I mean, how did, how did that go when you're in junior high, high school? Did you know you, it never changed? It changed. When I got into college, I was a physics major. Right. Oh, sweet. Thought I wanted to do biomedical physics and make prosthetics. Realized I love physics, hated math. Amen, <laughs> <laughs> hey, right brother. Yeah. God, math right. is horrible. Right. Awful. I got into differential equations and was like, nope. There's no real world use for this. Yeah. I'm out. Well, right. see, that's what I thought. And then my real job, I have to do math, and I'm straight <laughs> kicking myself in the ass for not doing any math in high school. Very, very true. Yeah, and I'm sorry, I meant to. You, you studied physics at UT, Hookem, and um, it's really cool. And uh, so when you were doing that, you said, no, 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 math's not good. So, um, how did you make that transition from? Okay, I don't, I don't want to get my degree in physics. I'm going to go back to being a doctor. So what was that transition like? Yeah. So I was really interested in biology. That was my second favorite subject mm -hmm. in high school. So I said, okay, maybe I want to do biology. Maybe I want to do research. So I did bench research on rats. I cut open rat brains for two years <laughs> and said, nope, I'm not doing this research thing. <laughs> I, I, you just didn't like cutting did open rats? Did you find anything or? in the rat brains? Like just... We were studying fetal alcohol syndrome, actually. Oh, wow. And our work never got published because the the lab who was run by the dean of the pharmacy school at the time, he became provost. So the lab shut down. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. Man. That's it. So you were giving the rats alcohol to see... Yes, we were the, getting rats drunk. Yes. <laughs> yeah. To see what happens to their brain. That sounds like, like fun. Is there any human kind of experiment like that? Or? Uh, yes, there actually was a, a wet bar on campus. A, a professor studied what happened to people in social interactions when they were drinking. I should have wow. went to college. I've got, <laughs> Damn it. I've got tons of hours of research into that. So oh, I mean. <laughs> Absolutely. That, and that was at UT also? That was at UT, yeah. Okay. That's, that's a kind of a party school, so that makes sense. <laughs> um. So when you were growing up, you wanted to be a doctor from the time you were a kid. You mentioned to me in our pre-interview that also you were always in church. And your faith was a very important thing in your life from a very early stage. I want to ask you because, and we talked about this, statistically, the higher education people get, um, the numbers of people who are faith-based and stick to their religion, the number starts to dwindle. So what was the challenge of continuing to further your education but yet still staying true to, to your faith that you had at the beginning. Yeah, I think that's because as people get more education, they tend to get more confidence in themselves and feel like they know more. I'm the opposite. The more I learn, the more I realize I'm an idiot. 
Right. The more I learn, the more I realize I don't know anything. Yeah. And right. that, that keeps me hungry to continue to learn more. And it was tough for a while because not a lot of my friends or classmates were religious. And so I really just kind of sat there with my faith and didn't have anyone to talk to. Right. And I remember coming and saying, well, how do I reconcile my religion with my beliefs as 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 a doctor as a doctor yeah. as, as someone who believes in science i feel like that's like a, a real fine line you have to walk down on it was yeah. un- until i realized that i was looking at paintings and i realized hey if you know art you can tell a monet from a rembrandt or a van gogh right they all have similar motifs similar styles similar underpinnings same thing with architects famous architects you can tell their work if you know architecture right Right. And I thought about it. All life is based upon two principles, DNA and RNA. All life, mm-hmm. every single life. And it's a genius system because it's self-containing and it can grow and adapt to whatever situation. And so I said, okay, God's the master scientist. He created right. a system that can act on its own, that can grow and proliferate and adapt to all different environments but it's the same system. It's the same motif. It's the same underpinning. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was really able to see that science, to me, is a way that God lets us understand a little bit about how he created the world. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. And I never really thought about it that way until we did our pre-interview. And so, you know, as you're, like you said, I, I, I love what you said about how every time you learn something, it made you realize that you didn't know. Because you're never going to stop learning. And if you, as the more you learn, like you said, the, the less you, you had in your brain, you know, prior to that. And, um, I, I, I find the, I find the, I find the faith part fascinating though, because I think I was listening to, um, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Is that it? Yeah. I think he said that, um, the percentage of people who've gone to graduate school, it's like less than, less than nine, like less than 20% of people who still, you know, go to church and everything. But you said something to me in your pre-interview um, when I asked you, so how'd you do it? You said, I've seen too many miracles. Can you go into that a little bit more? Yeah. I, I've seen too many situations where people should have died, like literally right in front of me. Yeah. I'm telling people you're going to die. And I would also tell them I'm a Christian. If you're a Christian, this is the time that I would strongly believe that God can do anything. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it. Wow. I've seen People with stage four cancer, riddled with cancer everywhere, live. I've seen people bleeding out in front of us, vitals crashing, live. You know, and and even in my own life, like statistically, I shouldn't be in the situation that I'm in. Right. Right. The rooms that I'm in. I was just at a conference rubbing shoulders with Jerome Adams, the former uh, Surgeon General, with Mm -hmm. Mark Hyman, the leader of the functional medicine revolution, with... um, Michael Phelps. Yeah. I know that guy. You know, I'm, a kid, <laughs> I'm a kid from inner city, Ohio. Like yeah. statistically, I should not be in the situation I'm in two yeah. doctorates, masters. That doesn't happen. You are the miracle. Yeah. I see. I am I the see. miracle. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing, man. And I, 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 when I didn't, I didn't, I thought if I asked you that question when we were doing our pre-interview, I was like, he's not going to know what to say to this. And your answer was perfect, man. I look, man, I'm mm-hmm. one of those people who at times, I always I struggle with God and I, I question him at times. I think we all do sometimes. But it seems like inevitably every time I question him, he shows his face to me in some way. And um I, I think that's a great thing. My question to you is why do you think it is that the higher the educate why aren't there more people like you who are able to hold on to their faith through 
advancing their education. Because I think when you're talented and you're smart, you're told you're talented and you're smart. And you're told that your talents and your smart are what's got you there. Mm-hmm. When really, it's a whole lot of luck. Yeah. Right? Malcolm Gladwell has a really great book on this called Outliers, where he talks about all these people we think are wildly successful. They had a lot of luck in their life. Yeah. A whole lot. I of believe luck. I believe like a lot of successful people are super lucky. Yeah. Absolutely. I they're believe prepared. you got to make your own luck. Yeah. <laughs> that they're too, prepared, yeah. but they're lucky. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you, you can't just be lucky and still end up successful. Right. You right. have to be able to take advantage of a situation that luck has given you. Exactly. It's a very fine balance of being ready when, when luck hits. So you talked about being the miracle, and I asked you about this. You know, as an African-American man, we know the statistic, the trajectory of where you are today is the outlier. It, it is not the norm. And so what were, if there were any challenges of being a minority and coming up, walking that road that was less traveled for people like yourself, what what were some of those challenges or were there any? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I wouldn't be an entrepreneur right now, probably if I was Caucasian. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is there's there's an unsaid rule in the hospitals that black and brown people don't move up the chain. You know, we talk about it all the time. The people who are in admins, the people who are the bosses, they don't look like us. Yeah. And it's been said in multiple different hospitals, multiple different scenarios. And so I realized that if I'm going to change healthcare the way I want to, I got to go out there and do it on my own. I'll give you another example. In pharmacy school, uh, we were clowns. We (laughs) didn't respect pharmacy school because we made good grades, right? So we thought because we make good grades, we're, we're good at taking tests that we can just kind of goof off the rest of the time. Yeah. And we got into some trouble. And I remember one of the professors, old white guy, came up to me and he's like, in my office right now. So in my office, in his office, he literally told me that I needed to be a beacon for the black community. Otherwise, they weren't going to let more black people into pharmacy school. Oh, he was challenging you. Mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's, too, that's a lot of pressure to put on one guy, though. He literally told me that if you keep acting like this, they're not going to let more black people so in the pharmacy school. Why do you think that he was pointing you out? Because there was only like three black people in our class. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's not a whole lot if you look at graduate school. My medical school was 240 people. Hmm. I think there was like six of us. Yeah. You know, so there's yeah. just not a whole lot of people, uh, uh, African Americans, who end up in, in graduate level programs. Yeah. Did you feel the pressure of that that he put on you? Did you feel that? No, because I said, listen, I'm me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not representing a, a race or a creed. Or if you go to heaven, everybody's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Right. And I said that I'm going to do the best I can with what I've got to try and help people. Yeah. And I'm going to help people, whether they're black, whether they're brown, whether they're, they're white, they're Indian, feather, dot. It doesn't matter to me. Right. Right. Yeah. That's that's incredible. I. A lot of people will, would let that pressure get to them, um, but I think you have a great outlook on it. Um, so you, you talked about pharmacy school because I wanted to get back on track with that. After pharmacy school, uh, you decided to go to University of Texas at Houston, and that's when you started getting your MD? Yes. Okay. And how long did it take for that? So that was four years of undergrad, three years of residency. Okay. And your residency was at UTMB, correct? Mm-hmm. I was at okay. Galveston, yep. Alrighty, UT, good old Galveston UTMB, um, and then after that you moved on to Kelsey Seabold, where mm-hmm. you were a full time physician. Mm-hmm. Okay, once you were at Kelsey Seabold, 
because obviously you're you're doing something that we'll get into that's that's a lot different than most doctors are doing. But when you're at Kelsey Seabold, um, what what challenges were you finding there? When you you there was parts of medicine that you wanted to do that you felt like you couldn't do there. What were those? Yeah, everybody has this idyllic view of medicine that you're going to come out and change the world, right? That's why you go be a doctor. You want to help people, right? No one goes to be a doctor to make a whole bunch of money because nowadays there's a lot. Oh, your debt. Yep. <laughs> I was listening. I don't mean to cut you off, but when you brought that up, there was a, I forgot what I was watching. It was a podcast, but they said like well, 80% of the doctors are still in debt up to their eyeballs even after they graduated and they've been doing it for 10 years. Yep. Like, mm. like there's a lot more of a reason than to get rich to be a doctor. Right. Right. I had colleagues half a million dollars in debt at yeah. 10, 12% because yeah. doctors are horrible with money. Wow. Right. Yeah. And there was a New Yorker article that showed after 30 years, a garbage man and a doctor internal medicine made the same amount of money. Wow. Oh my gosh. Right. Wow. So this whole notion <laughs> of people go to become doctors, become rich. Yeah. Right. That's not true. There's, yeah. there's lots of different ways, especially in today's world that you can make a lot of money. Yeah. But you don't have to go to school for 20 years to yeah. get there. Yeah. Right. But I, I realized that it, it was institutional medicine. It was macro medicine. And what I mean by that is if you look at, let's say, data, clinical studies, right? Clinical studies are good for macro, population level. You know, if you've got something that helps 10% of people and you're treating 300 million people, it makes sense to absolutely do that thing. But that's only 10% of people it's going to help. Right. Now, what if I'm sitting with you one-on-one? And I'm telling you, there's a 10% chance this is going to help you. Right. You're going to look at me like I'm crazy and say, well, give me something that's going to help me. Yeah. And I realized that the, the system medicine, especially from the big groups, works on that macro level. And it's not so much of the person in front of you. And then, you know, I, I one person, I had like 1,200 patients on my roster. Holy shit. Seeing wow. 25 <laughs> to 30 patients a day. And I was like... I. I can barely, How? I can't even get my oil change in 15 minutes. Yeah. Right. So you oh, basically no. have, just. Have you seen those five minute oil change places? <laughs> You'll get it done in five minutes, but you're, you're going to be missing an air filter or your oil. Right. Uh, <laughs> now, how do you manage that? Like you got 25, there's, well, I'm sure you work, what, 12 hours, 8, 10, 12 hours a day. And like, how the hell do you see 25, 30 people a day? Like, and remember who they are and. You don't. I, I mean, mean, I guess that was part of the problem, right? That was part of the yeah. problem. Is it, It's overwhelming, especially with how sick people are. 60% of adults have one chronic disease. 40% have two. We live in a very sick country. Yeah. The default in America is disease. Like, literally. Yeah. The default is disease. And so, yeah. as an internal medicine physician, you're the gateway. You're the one who's supposed to be responsible for all of these medical issues. And then psychosocial issues and socioeconomic issues. And mm-hmm. it's just too much. I... I I crumbled under the weight of all that pressure. Yeah. yeah. And you thought to yourself, there's got to be a better way to do this. There has to be a better way. And I can't solve anything for my office. I realized that. Mm-hmm. I came in there thinking I was going to be Superman, like most people, right? I was going to solve everything. I was going to save everybody to realizing that I have zero power in this. Yeah. And yeah. I need to be able to create a system or a way to reach people at home and reach people with a message of hope. Hence your podcast. And yeah, that's one of the best <laughs> ways to do it. Yeah. So that was actually the next question. So, you know, you have the Strive for Health podcast. Um, was that was that the first step towards getting out of Kelsey Seabold and, and just writing prescriptions was starting that podcast? Well, it all started back when I was there. I would create resources to give patients because I realized that, listen, I don't. 
I don't have the time to do this, but I also realized I don't have the training mm-hmm. because at the time I knew nothing about behavioral health. I knew nothing about how you motivate people. Yeah. And I started reading about what do coaches do? How do coaches get people to transform? So, you know, there's the Just yell at them, cuss at them, <laughs> demean them. <laughs> In high school, that worked, right? Yeah, right. Like, well, I just don't want to do bear crawls anymore. I just listen to what you right. say. Right. Yeah. Well, that's because it's the adult who has power over you, yeah. right? But yeah, another right. adult, like, I don't have any power over the people that come and see me, right? right? So I, I started reading about how do you change and, and how do you plant seeds in people. I started reading about, well, what are some resources on lifestyle medicine? Because I'm a pharmacist. I know how the meds work. I knew how the meds work better than anybody else in the Kelsey system. I've forgotten more about meds than most doctors have ever learned. Right. Right. And I'm not being like braggadocious. I have a doctorate in pharmacology. Like that's literally what I learned. Yeah. Right. And so I realized that meds are not the issue, the, the answer. We have more meds now than ever and more disease now than ever. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out there's a disconnect. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking for what's the answer. And it kept leading down me down all these different avenues. Oh, there's behavioral issues. Oh, there's socioeconomic issues. Oh, there's a lack of information. Oh, there's a lack of trust. And I started seeing all of these problems within the system. Mm-hmm. And then I started one by one doing what I can to address each one of these issues. And so you were doing that on your own while at Kelsey Siebold. I was. Because there's really no place for you to go work. To do the things that you wanted to do. At the time, I didn't think so. I realized later that there were. Oh, okay. You just don't hear about them. They're places that move in silence, right? Okay. Because these places, they can't out-advertise Kelsey Siebold or Memorial Herman or right. Methodist. It's right? a machine. Right? Yeah, they're machines. Yeah. There's no way you can out-advertise these companies. And so they function mostly by word of mouth and, and uh, patient referrals, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, me on the outside... I wasn't going to find these places. I know where they are now, but at the time, I didn't even know where to look. Right, right. So you start doing your own research, and you start sharing your research, and your research was based more on, and what your big message is, is in your Strive for Health podcast, is lifestyle, mindset changes. You mentioned to me in our pre-interview, nobody in the mainstream talks about just taking care of yourself, being in good health, exercising, preventing all of these diseases in the first place. So, um, and well, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, this is around the time that you met your wife while you're at Kelsey Siebold. I met her afterwards. So I'd already started the transition when I met her. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So ladies, if you were wondering, he is married. So get off the chat right <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> so you meet your wife while you're making a transition. And that's interesting because that's a very interesting time to meet you because as a married man myself, I understand when you have a venture, especially one that is not the path everyone else is taking. It takes somebody supporting you and understanding that you have a higher, you feel like you have a higher calling in mind. So um, how, how, when you guys met, you can go into that a little bit. How did you meet? And did she have an understanding of what you were trying to do? So it was interesting. I left Kelsey. I was working part-time at Memorial Herman about 10 shifts a, a month mm-hmm. overnight. I was working night shifts, wow. 7 p.m., 7 a.m. I was starting a business. I was in the process of starting actually another business. So I was doing two businesses and I was getting my MBA. It's a great time to start dating. Right. I'm going to stop <laughs> complaining about my work-life balance. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, yeah. it was awful. I was out. Sometimes I'd work in the hospital all night and then have meetings all day and then go back to the hospital Yeah, at, at that next night. And so I, when I met her, I said, you know what? I like you. I think there could be something here. I'm extraordinarily busy. But when I have time, I will make time for you. Mm-hmm. And she said, okay. 
And she meant it. And she meant <laughs> it. And she, she never once gave me any hassle. I remember one time in medical school, I had a girl who uh, I was dating, and she, I was at the library on a Friday night. She goes, you're not at the library. I'm, like, I'm in medical school. <laughs> I have exams. I'm yeah. in the library. Right. She goes, no, you're not. And I was like, okay, come have dinner with me. Meet me at the library. (laughs) (laughs) We went and ate at the library. And so, you know, that's the kind of thing that a lot of people just didn't understand Mm -hmm. that I was literally putting in the work. I wasn't out there. I wasn't cheating. I wasn't doing any of that. I was literally just working all the time. And she was the first person who didn't try to make me feel bad or, or, try to demean me because she, of, she of didn't my add goals. To, yeah, she didn't add to your chaos. She brought you peace. She did. Ladies, that is important. If you're single out there, if you can bring a man peace, that is far better than anything. You can take a picture on Instagram, no filters, like uh, <laughs> bring a man peace and he will fall in love with you. Yeah, there's enough <laughs> shit that goes on in our heads. We don't Best need your extra and chaos. Food. Food yes, too, peace, and mean, food. <laughs> peace and food. Peace and yep. food. Peace and food. So, I mean, that's awesome, man. And her having your support, so... Um, I'm sure you talked to her a lot about how you felt like things needed to change. So um, let's talk about, because you have, not only do you do a podcast, but you have online wellness courses. Um, where did you get that idea and when did it start? Yeah, so that started after I opened my own clinic. And I had my own clinic and I realized I didn't really want to build a big clinic because that's a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And remember, like I said, I saw all these problems and I didn't want to address one. I wanted to do what I could about all of these problems in a systematic manner. Right. And so I I realized that, you know, what I'm telling people about lifestyle medicine, you know, nutrition, exercise, sleep, stress management, avoiding toxins, about mindset, about, you know, willpower and, and how do you get crystal clear on your values and um, all these other things, I could put into a course and mm-hmm. that people could take at their own pace. And so that's what I decided to do. I, I spent two weeks recording 16 hours a day hmm. in oh, my apartment. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> a lot. To a lot of talking. A lot of talking. And these are video? <laughs> these They're video and accompanying PDFs. Okay. And after doing that, I said, I'm just going to launch it. It's low budget. Yeah. But I wanted it to be intimate. I wanted it to be, to have the feel of you were sitting in my apartment with me and we're talking about health. That's what I wanted. I didn't want it to feel like a movie. I didn't want it to feel like something fake or over the top. Right. I just wanted to feel like it was an intimate conversation because that's what health is. It's it's intimate. Right. Yeah. And it also should be a conversation. We should talk these things through. No, yeah. I agree with that 100%. I was about to say, I feel a lot better when my doctor can like be real and personal, per- personable. There we go. <laughs> with me rather than just trying to rush me through. Yeah. Write a script and go. I feel so. like a lot of people now struggle with n- not only just health in general and all the different facets therein, but to address the concern, you know, to address yourself and your health, you have to know yourself and be comfortable with yourself and know where you're short, you know, where you're falling short and your strengths and weaknesses. And I think a lot of people just still struggle with that, with the everyday stressors and, you know, pressures of, you know, work and life and family and all of that. So it's a lot to take into consideration, but I think um, more people should start thinking about that and, and moving forward with that, especially at our age. And that's part of the reason that you're here is because we wanted to get your take on some of the things that are concerning people, our age, but through the lens and through the eyes of Dr. Richard Harris, who is not going to just try to write you a script 
or not just try to, you know, throw meds at you. But we wanted to talk about this wellness mindset and this health mindset and why and how um, it can help. It can help people our age and some of the things that we were doing. We're going to mention this at the end of the show as well. But how can people take your wellness courses? Let's throw, let's throw that out there right now if yeah. they're interested. Easiest way is head to my website, thegHwellness.com, and click courses at the top. Okay. If you follow me on Instagram, drharrismd, that's mostly where I'm active. I've got a little link under my bio. It'll take you all to my resources. Okay. And now you have a little uh, disclaimer on your podcast when you're talking about these wellness courses because they're not for everybody. Tell everybody what you tell them. Are you too real and people might get mad? So yes. you got to put a disclaimer on there? <laughs> yes. There I like know. it. Sign yeah. me up. <laughs> you know, I, I tell people, if you're not willing to invest in yourself, I'm not going to waste my time on you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yep. I think there's a lot of people who like the idea of getting better, but they don't like the commitment it takes because you go like years and years like 10 15 years of people just eating mcdonald's and dairy queen people don't want to put day. in the work and then they're no. like how do i get healthy well quit eating that shit no i don't like that idea <laughs> yeah, no, that's, right. i can't I know give multiple, up all those conveniences i know multiple people who are like that and it's like oh man yeah you're screwed yeah, you're sure. gonna lose a leg to diabetes i swear <laughs> <laughs> well there's actually data that shows that okay so if if you're doing that let's say i'm i'm talking to you right i can estimate adequately your risk of bad things happening to you right but if it's talking about me i will dramatically underestimate the risk of those bad things happening to me well wow. because so, you feel like you have more control basically because, because we just all are, are that naive we say oh i understand bad stuff happens to other people it's right. just not going to happen to yeah. me and yeah. uh like, it kind of goes along with what i've always always said to people like people judge others by their actions and themselves by their intentions so if you have the intent that oh well I've I've got this goal and this idea and I can do it but I see you and I know you're not going to be able to do it so yeah right I can flip the switch whenever I want to no you can't yeah. it doesn't yeah. work yeah. like that no it's right. hard it's, it's hard. really hard yeah. Like, yeah I've been there I'm going through that right now actually and it's I think we're all trying it's, to it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah for I sure like, I always like to tell people listen is it is it hard to be healthy yes is absolutely. it hard to be sick yes you get to choose your heart yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, that's actually really good. I like that. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about some of the concerns that people our age have, and let's talk about some solutions through the lens of of Dr. Richard Harris. Um, Now, I listen to your podcast, and I I I find it fascinating. I really enjoy listening to it. Um, You had an episode where you did uh, you talked about hair loss. Now we're not gonna we're not gonna give away the goose for free. I forgot to ask you: Do you charge for these courses? Yeah, the course. So I would make it free if people would actually. He says, it. absolutely, I charge for this. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, 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 right. So I didn't, I didn't get, we didn't get that out there. Yeah. So here's, here's the thing about me, that business, my health and wellness business, I do not care about making a profit. I right. have other businesses for that. Right. It is literally a service. It would be free if I knew people would take it seriously, but they don't. You have to pay something. Right. To take you it seriously. You have to invest. But even then, it's a five week course. It's 200 bucks. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 what goes on with that. Like, what's all what all what all does it entail? So it all starts with mindset. So here's a here's a problem. Most of us start with action. Wrong place to start. You have to start with two things. Number one, your why. If you don't have a crystal clear why, you will never do it. So people like I want to lose weight. Well, why? Well, I just want to lose weight. (laughs) Do they ever lose weight? No, no. No. If you say I want to lose weight because I want to go mountain biking with my grandkids in five years. That's a very powerful why, yeah. because now you have a who, what, when, where 
attached to that why. And mm-hmm. that's when you form a new identity around it. I had one client who literally, I told them, when you go to the store and you pick up an item, say, is this getting me closer to or further away from my goals? And he went to the store every single time. He was like, this bag of Cheez-Its, further from my goals. Yeah. Right. This bag of blueberries, closer to my goals. He did it for two weeks. And the guy's goal was he wanted to get rid of his knee pain so he could go hiking with his kids in, in a couple months. Yeah. He lost 40 pounds when hiking with his grandkids. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yay. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's because he first got clear on his why and then he formed a new identity. You know what I tell myself? It starts in the head. I tell myself I am someone who works out because I don't want to get diabetes like my dad and his dad and his yeah. dad. I am someone who works out because authenticity matters. If I'm telling you to do something, I do it. Yeah. Right. I'm not one of these doctors who's fat and smokes and things like that. <laughs> right. Telling you to eat healthy. I'm right. a psychiatrist <laughs> like that. He was really overweight. And he smoked like two packs a day. I'm yeah, like, nobody, yeah, I shouldn't see you no more. Nobody listens to those people. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Because yeah. they're right. like, if, if you don't even take your own advice, how solid is your advice if you don't take it? Yeah. Right. That'd be like be going to a stockbroker and he'd be like, hey, invest in that. Well, you invest in that? Oh, no. Yeah. No way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did always find it weird that like your doctor would be like, it's you know, pack a day smoker. And it's like, <laughs> they're trying to tell me to get healthy, bro. But look at you. You oh, ever see that? Uh, there's a video. It's kind of funny. You know, uh, <laughs> like going back to your uh, getting health and it's like, or working out, staying in shape. And like, well, I just want, I don't want diabetes. Well, I saw this video of this one dude, his girlfriend's asking him, why do you want to get in shape? Why are you trying to work out? Cause I just want to look cooler during sex. And I think that's a great <laughs> point. I think a it's good, a great goal. <laughs> and a great goal. And uh, you know, if it's not just for health reasons, at least you don't it look, gives you, reason you don't to, look bad. It gives you a reason to put it. the, you know, you can put the mirror up and give you reason to look. For I've sure, got this sure. pair of leather pants in my closet that I bought like a year ago. And I'm like, I'm going to fit. That is your why. The leather pants are your why? I'm gonna keep it real. <laughs> you look at him go one day, one day. That is funny. Just gotta fit in those pants, man. If you, if you do it, you gotta set a date. You say I'm gonna fit in these pants by this date by doing this. Oh, that's yeah. my problem. I can't yeah. set dates. Yeah. Oh well, well then, that's why we're all enrolling in Dr. Harris's yep. yes, wellness sir. courses. <laughs> yep. I, I want to talk about some of the things specifically that I listened to you talk about that were really surprising to me. And we won't, we, like I said, we won't give away the whole goose for free. You did an episode on hair loss where you scientifically broke down hair loss like I've never heard anybody. Now, obviously, it's too late for me, right, Doc? Like, there's there's no going back <laughs> Oh, <here>. I'm very <laughs> interested. I don't have a lot going on for me, but I got amazing hair, so I'm really interested right. in this. So you talked in that episode that <laughs> hair loss is actually something that you can either slow down or even prevent. So can you can you get into that just a little bit? Yeah, I think what we've done a poor job in medicine is is teaching people that the body's all connected. We look at things like isolated problems. Like someone who has diabetes might lose their hair and think it's not related. 100% related. Wow. Insulin resistance, the root cause of diabetes, causes your cells to cycle faster. Your hair is rapidly growing cells. So if those cells start cycling faster, it's going to decrease their lifespan. And so your hair is going to fall out. If you have inflammation, look what's happening with COVID. People are talking about COVID hair loss. Why? Because there's a lot of inflammation associated with it. What does that do? Those cells cycle faster. Your hair falls out. If you're stressed all the time, stress, mental stress actually causes physiological stress, 
which causes inflammation. I think that's where mine went, Doc. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> it was stress. I just, well, I'm just like you're cutting your hair. <laughs> so all, all of these things do it. Wearing a hat, actually, it causes physical stress. Don't tell me that. Oh, <laughs> Don't tell me oh that. gosh. It does. Oh, oh yeah. You also it. mentioned cornrows. Don't get those cornrows. Yeah, because it causes physical stress. Yeah. I had right. cornrows like one time. It won't happen oh, again. Oh, man. <laughs> I wanted to get some braids. Seriously. Is there a picture of the cornrows? Yeah, we got we to gotta see pictures <laughs> where it didn't happen. We're going to post that on <laughs> For real. Yeah. For real. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I found that fascinating because, I mean, I started, my hair started cutting loose when I was, like, 18. And I always thought it was just genetics, like, it was going to happen. There was, If I had known, then there was something I could have done other than, you know, hair plugs or, or Rogaine or whatever. Then, you know, that, that's good information to have. So, guys, if you got your hair still, it's not too late. And I recommend, I think that was episode 92, I think, was your hair yeah, loss 92. episode. Question. So, yeah. You guys check that out. Question. Still going with the hair loss. Is it true? Because this has been bothering <laughs> me. <laughs> this has been bothering me for years. There's somebody I know, and he said that he used to have really long hair. And he said that one day he just, you know, just said the hell with it. Shaved off it, shaved his head for no reason. And then after that, he could never grow his hair back ever again. Is that a real thing? Or <laughs> am I being paranoid for no reason? No, it's probably related to something else. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, Ooh. it happened to me. I, I did shave my head. And then it never came back the same once. See, that's another person. I think there's something here. And, but that's I was probably already going bald anyway, and it just yeah. it never came back the same. Once it it could be if you had this strong predisposition, you cause you know you're taking a razor to your head, right? So right. it's going to cause a little bit of trauma there. Yeah. And like I said, trauma can be a, a cause of of hair loss. But then we look at others. So what we did and what we talked about in that episode is we're in the age of personalized medicine, right? Remember I talked about macro versus me and you, mm-hmm. completely different. Right. So what we do is we look at 18 different genes and we custom make a solution just for you. Right. And it's gotten profound results because, like I said, what we just talked about, there's more than one cause. So I've stopped thinking about diseases as like diabetes and heart disease. I think about root causes. And so if you don't address all the root causes, then, of course, there's going to be a problem. Right. If you got... 10 cracks in your wall and fix nine, there's still one crack in your wall, right? Exactly. I was going to save that one for later. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so you have to address all the root causes. And so that's what we do. Address all your cracks, Con. Address, all, address all the cracks. <laughs> Always. Always address yeah, the cracks. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I wanted to talk about stuff that was important to men and women. On the women's side, I mean, this could, I guess this could go for all cancers, but with breast cancer, obviously women are supposed to get their mammograms, but... You know, you being someone who talks about preventative, lifestyle can prevent cancer as well um, in, in men and in women. But let's let's talk specifically about breast cancer in women. Yeah. So if you look at all cancers overall, 40 percent of all cancers are preventable. Forty five percent of all cancer deaths are preventable. I like that you bring this up. Eighty, 90 percent of heart disease is preventable. Forty uh, percent of Alzheimer's disease is preventable. Ninety percent of lung disease is preventable. Ninety percent of type two diabetes is preventable. Yeah. Go look at the major rates of death here in America, and I just listed most of the causes, right? Right. So you can't just rely on the medical establishment. I forget what it is, but the number needed to treat for mammograms is astoundingly high. What I mean by number needed to treat is how many people do we need to screen to save one life? And I believe it's like 800 for mammograms. Now, I'm not 100% sure on this. I can't remember the exact number. I just know it's high. So you're telling me we have to screen 800 people to save one. Again, I'm going to ask you for what else can I do, right? Yeah. You can't just depend on these tests. And so what you eat matters. If you're exercising, matters. Are you getting enough sleep? Are you stressed out all the time? 
right? Toxins, endocrine disruptors, big cause of cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, glyphosate, Roundup, right? Multi-billion dollar settlement. Yeah, yeah. It's in 93, uh, one study, 93% of all people's urine tested. Wow. Glyphosate's in their urine. And it's a massive cancer-causing agent. Houston, yeah. air pollution, benzene. One yes. of the most carcinogenic substances we know of. We don't have to talk about benzene. We, we work with that every day. We work in the plants. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> we work with benzene every day. Yep. And, you know, there, obviously we use PPE and, and things like that. But, I mean, if you live anywhere near it, it's, you know, I, I have family, you know, I'm from Texas City. There's plants over there. And, I mean, I, cancer has taken so many people in my family. And it's not a, really a surprise considering just all the toxins that are in the air. On top of the fact that that side of my family is the African-American side, and we can talk about statistically how, you know, when you start going through not only racial lines, but, um, you know, social lines, that a lot of these issues come because, and we'll talk about this later because I want you to address the eating healthy costs too much because I know you don't believe in that. But, you know, all of those things are factors in some of these things that, like you said, are preventable. And um, I wanted to ask you about... um, the importance of eating healthy because what it really is, is you talk about toxins, your pH level is what is, is that what determines whether you're, you know, you're able to, your body is going to develop cancer or not. I mean, that can be part of it. You know, most people tend to overconsume very acidic foods mm-hmm. and that can change your stomach flora and, and the way that your uh, stomach acid works and digestive properties and all of that. Our body needs a finely tuned pH system. It's most likely not going to affect your blood pH, right? Because we have a very buffering, we have a buffering system for that. Mm. But the problem is if you overtax that buffering system, we're not a pool of infinite resources. Right. So you have to draw resources from other areas to address that system, right? Understood. Understood. So basically, (laughs) the problem is, and you talked about how, when me and you did the pre-interview, you talked about how America is the worst when it comes to chronic disease. Um, Because... Everywhere you turn, fast foods, even in the grocery store, I mean, they're they're really giving us poison. There's not a lot of... There's a McDonald's and Walmart. Yeah, that's like, true. <laughs> shit, man. Like, let's get some chicken nuggets before we go shopping. Don't talk right. about that. I spend money there every time. I bet <laughs> he loves hearing that, too. I'm sorry. There's a McDonald's in St. Luke's. Oh, oh yeah, is there, there, is. Really? Yes. there is. We went so to the McDonald's. Yes. Um, my, my, my wife's stepfather was in the hospital like um with severe heart problems and there's a McDonald's. yeah we went yeah, i find that the oddest thing weird. in the world it's underneath it yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. really it's weird. weird and you know what i said to my brother-in-law while we were there i was like it's kind of ironic this place. like how many people do you think are in here because <laughs> <laughs> they eat here right and it's right. it's yeah it's it's not it well, i mean we're sitting here joking about it but it's it's McDonald's legit has infiltrated all of the it's establishments it's in the uh, Museum of Natural Science, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it's everywhere. Wow! But so, they they did the they did away with the mega size me, so it's more healthier. The super they don't, super they, size. They don't more call healthier. it super size anymore. You just say, "Can I get it large?" And they're oh, like, yeah, "Yes, sir." Remember absolutely. when they had yeah. salads for a while? They don't have those anymore. Their salads are awful. Summer. But their salads are not as healthy as, or not, not as beneficial as you would think they are. Because I, I mean, it was into just. It. Lettuce and then a bunch of greasy crap you put yeah, on top it's like, of it. Yeah, still so. like fifteen hundred calories. Ridiculous. Yeah, y'all making yeah. me hungry. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't want to. I don't want to. I, I had some others on here. Let's um, let's get to some stuff that affects both men and women. You brought it up, heart health. You know, cardiovascular, and this is you know because I wanted to ask you about ED. Do we? 
I mean, that's the no boner club. <laughs> that can be cardiovascular too. Right. Right. right? That's no why boy. I thought, you know, the cardiovascular yeah. part, there's that part affects so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really does. And again, 600,000 people the last couple of years have died from heart disease every single year. Mm-hmm. Right. While we were all freaking out about COVID, heart disease still killed more people last year. Yeah. And heart disease is a risk factor for severe COVID infection. You know? Didn't it get worse too? Heart disease? It is getting worse. So yeah. last year, people gained a pound and a half a month, which is usually what they gain in a year. Yeah. So you had 12 years of metabolic worsening happen in one year. Wow. The I, downstream... I feel those statistics. Yeah. I feel like I gained a pound a day. I heard something <laughs> like, like uh, childhood ob- obesity has also went up like 50%. Skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. 50% or something like that since um, the uh, lockdowns happened. Wow. So now, whenever I work in the hospital, I regularly see 30-year-olds with strokes, 30-year-olds with heart attacks, yeah. wow. 30-year-olds on dialysis. And I asked them, what age were you diagnosed with diabetes? Seven, eight years old. That's crazy. Because wow. they, they, they couldn't go outside. They couldn't like exercise or do anything. That's ridiculous. It happened, yeah. Now and then you're seeing reports of, pe- of kids with speech and hearing problems because of the masks, yeah. that mm-hmm. they couldn't see I, that, I just, that visual cue. Yeah. yeah, I was just hearing about something like that today. Yeah, if you look at a lot of the things, most of the, the lockdowns just made everything worse, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Absolutely. I've, I've always said... Well, that's why gas is high as giraffe pussy. Excuse my... <laughs> I mean, inflation, everything. Everything, everything. And I, I you know... We talked about this. This is not a, a narrative you're going to hear in most places. You know, most places it's take the vaccine. It's, you know, and, um, you know, one of the things I put on this list was COVID. And in our first episode, we talked about the whole Joe Rogan controversy. And I brought that up to you when we were doing our pre-interview because, number one, you're a podcaster. Obviously, you're an advocate of free speech. You're an American. You believe in the right to uh, to choose what you put in your body. Um, but you brought up something very interesting to me. And I wanted to put it out to the audience um, about COVID. You said to me, this is the biggest suppression of information that you've ever seen. Can you go a little bit further into that? Yeah. And it's happening on the on the macro and the micro level. So I was told by many of the organizations that I work in that I could not dissuade people from getting the vaccine that I basically told them that there's nothing wrong with the vaccine, that it's completely safe, that nothing bad is going to happen to you. I don't know that. I'm not God. Right. Right. If someone has concerns, they're valid concerns and they should be addressed. Also, there wasn't a whole lot of research on the vaccine when they first started pushing them out. So like, how can you guarantee somebody that's going to happen to you? You can't. I mean, you can't guarantee any. You can walk across the street and get hit by a bus. Right. I don't, you know, but... yeah, I keep hearing about all these studies, and I feel like it's a little bit premature for studies to even be. I mean, you can do the studies, but to publish anything, I, I think I feel like there should be premature. more than thirty days. So let me research. Yeah, maybe. let me let me ask you this. So the research, the the research and the work done on mRNA vaccines, that didn't just start with no. with COVID. That's been around. That and started with SARS, the original SARS. The original SARS. And if you look at mRNA uh, technology, the first papers were printed in the 90s. Okay. Europe has been using mRNA technology for 10 plus years for gene therapy. The reason they were able to do this so quickly is because they were already in development for the original SARS. Right. That and they and they're, you know, they're closely related. So they were able to just switch gears. Now, 
inherently, I don't think there's anything wrong with mRNA technology. I don't think there's anything wrong with vaccination. If you want to get vaccinated, this is America. You have a right to get vaccinated. If you don't want to get vaccinated, you have concerns. This is America. You shouldn't be forced to be vaccinated. And doctors are getting skewered for taking that position. Right. Which I'm surprised I haven't been yet. Right. <laughs> um, well, we'll see. It's still early. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh, we'll see how long this live stays up. No, I, I found that fascinating. And you actually, I asked you specifically. We're going to talk about ivermectin because I wanted to know, okay, uh, ivermectin is, I mean, a pharmaceutical company, I thought, and a pharmaceutical company makes this. So why why wouldn't ivermectin be being benefited by this push for, for pharmaceutical companies and push for vaccines? And you said to me, it's because ivermectin's cheap. And, yeah. And, yeah. And, you can buy it over the counter. <laughs> And so would you and then you told me something that I found very fascinating. You actually sent me some links to ivermectin research. And I'll let you tell the audience how many people were tested with ivermectin versus some of these mRNA vaccines that are that are recently out, the Pfizer, the J and J, and the Moderna. Yeah, if you look at it like eighty thousand people, if you aggregate all the all the studies with ivermectin have been treated with ivermectin in clinical studies. And these sometimes are observational. These are sometimes retrospective where they look back. These are some of them are the gold standard randomized controlled clinical trials. That's 80,000 people. That's a lot. Eight zero eighty. 80. Yeah. And if you look at like Paxlovid, the new COVID drug, the trial that got it approved had 1200 people and 1200 people in one study is enough to get an FDA approval but then 80,000 people aggregated over multiple studies, multiple countries, multiple demographics, is, and there's no data. Right. That blows my mind. And then you look at other things like fluvoxamine, which um, has some data being very effective. What is fluvoxamine? Uh, fluvoxamine is an old antidepressant. Okay. Right. And so all of a sudden now you have doctors being told you can't prescribe things off label. And I was like, wait a minute. Off label means not FDA approved. Right. I want... Everyone to go who's listening to this, if you're on a medication, ask your doctor, is this on label or off label? I was about to say, I feel like there's a lot of drugs out there that are not FDA approved. They're they're not FDA approved for the indications that you use them, but you can use them if there's data supporting it. That's off label use. So all of a sudden, a practice that we've been doing for a long time is now all of a sudden dangerous. The medication that won a Nobel Prize is now all of a sudden dangerous, and there's no data behind it. Ivermectin right. being the one that yeah. won the Nobel Prize. Right. right. And, yeah. and so to me, I mean, that's insane. And it's not like we had these, uh, you're, we're using these medications for months. They're short treatment courses yeah. for something that can be very devastating. So if you aggregate all this and you start looking at things, if a medication is previously deemed safe for a short course of treatment, mm-hmm. Why wouldn't we do it, especially early in the pandemic when we, we didn't know anything? Yeah. What's the harm in that situation when we've already got a medication that we know for short courses is safe and FDA approved? Right. Why don't we use that? Right. Yeah. And so that's what's bothering me. And it's bothering me that the physician patient relationship is being superseded by suits. It's mm-hmm. bothering me that the pharmaceutical companies are, are dictating what we do and 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 that natural immunity was completely suppressed. There was no information about natural immunity until recently. Now even the CDC says, oh, for Delta and uh, the the natural immunity was better than vaccine immunity, right? And so the main thing that I'm worried about is as a medical establishment losing the American people. 
because mm-hmm. people feel lied to, people feel betrayed, people feel like they they don't know who to trust, and mm-hmm. then they go and get horse ivermectin, and a lot of people did end up in the ER because they overdosed. Yeah. Horses are bigger than us. The absorption's different. Yeah, they were overdosing and ended up in liver failure and kidney failure because right. they were trying to protect themselves. Isn't there like a... Like- so when you buy iver- ivermectin, isn't there like there's a dosage for humans and there's a dosage for horses, correct? Yeah, it's a completely so, different dosing. Right. So I guess people are just actually buying the the horse dosage and popping that, but like, all right, I'm gonna be healed by tomorrow. And then bam, they're in the hospital. Right. And I think that's what gave ivermectin maybe the the bad yeah. rat the rap that it had at so, the beginning. Yeah, for sure. I want to repeat that one more time. Eighty thousand people were tested. For using ivermectin, and this is for COVID, not for its intended use, which is parasites. Right. These are 80,000 people that it was tested for COVID. The mainstream narrative right now is that there's no research, there's no data that ivermectin helps COVID patients. Well, that's not true. And what I like about Dr. Harris, and we're going to share this information with you guys as well, is in his wellness courses, he doesn't just tell you and say, hey, believe what I'm saying. He will show you the research that he's reading. And he actually sent me the links to this ivermectin research, which we are going to put in the description of this video and uh, wherever you're listening to the podcast from, because I think everybody should see it. Yep. And when I read it, I was like, this is crazy. Like when he sent it to me, you know, I was on, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is going to be some QAnon website <laughs> or something like that. Like, no, it was legit. Like it was legit research. And I was like, wow, this is, uh, this is crazy because I hate to be that nobody's talking about this guy, but literally nobody's talking about it. Yeah, I and, always, yeah. I always wonder like what what gets something approved by the FDA or denied by the FDA, and like I kind of, I don't know how I feel about the FDA in general. I don't trust them. Uh, I I completely agree. Not one bit. So I, I I've talked about this before, either on my podcast. So yeah, my podcast. It used to take two randomized controlled trials proving mortality or morbidity, mortality, death, morbidity, disease state, benefit to get a drug approved. Now it takes one, and you can do it on surrogate markers. So I can say, What's hey. What's a surrogate marker? I was going to explain that. Okay. So, <laughs> um, I can say, hey, this drug lowers this lab level, and this lab level is correlated with, with worse outcomes. So approve my drug. You're approved. Doesn't say if there's mortality benefit, morbidity benefit. Do people feel better? Just easy as that. Just easy as that. I, I can I can literally get a drug approved because it lowers a lab level that's associated with outcomes. It, it it's like saying, well, I deserve to be a millionaire because all my friends are millionaires, so I'm going to be a millionaire. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's so easy because they did it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Speaking of becoming a millionaire in the FDA, yeah, yeah. I might be something I mean, going on. What are your thoughts on? actual big pharma's presence on this they're all over it i I, I was i was reading an article the other day about how you saw pfizer advertising on a lot of major networks including uh, news networks such as cnn and um i think there's a couple of uh, like maybe the view or um one of those gossip shows where like pfizer was a huge um advertisement Mm -hmm. for them Mm -hmm. so it's it's you, you People like outside, like say like us, are going. There's got to be something up with Pfizer, who are also making the vaccines that they're trying to push and make us all take. And you've lived in another country. Do they advertise? No, it's illegal. So yeah. Yeah. other, other countries think this is complete foolishness that drug companies can market things direct to consumer. Yeah. I've literally had people come up to me and say, "Hey, I need this drug." I'm like, "Why?" Oh, well, I saw this on this commercial. <laughs> right. 
Oh, that's crazy. What? That's unfortunate. Yeah. So it comes down to the marketing department, y'all. But you cannot advertise cigarettes. These drug companies are marketing companies now. So if you pull their 10Ks, right, the amount that they spend on R&D has gone down over the years. Mm -hmm. R&D is being done in in labs at universities. And what happens is these professors find something, make a company, and these drug companies buy Buy them out. Buy them out. So they're not doing nearly as much R&D as they used to which means now they become marketing companies and yeah. the lobbying for them is extraordinarily Absolutely. I completely and you know, agree with that. I haven't heard anything from it because there was a few, you know, some of them that got called to Congress to testify about just that, about the fact that like nobody had ever taken a look at their books. And finally, like, you know, they put together, you know, some type of committee and it's funny how stuff like this just goes away and you don't hear what happened. Ever. But, yeah, yeah they were up. they were pointing out the fact that like the R and D was like I mean less than ten percent of their budget and they were spending like almost fifty percent of their budget on advertising. Like insane. Right. And and but still able to um to raise all this money for research and that's not where the money's going. Did you ever see the movie uh Thank You for Smoking? Yeah. That see, and that's kind of like along yeah. the same lines. It's all about how it's being marketed, and then what they're trying to cover up. And they put so much time and effort into the cover ups, and they just let the marketing team like yeah. do make their thing, it, yeah. package it real pretty, like, yeah. and sell it. It's it's a shame, you know. The different. What do you think the difference a is? Shame between, is an understatement. Yeah. What it's do you a, think? It's a crime. No, it is one that nobody's being held accountable for. What do you think is the difference between now and the time that we used to be able to? trust these people and it, when it started it was run by scientists who really did want to make a difference mm-hmm. and th- these weren't trillion dollar industries right so this all started with the penicillin model when we first found that penicillin killed bacteria we started linking one pill to one disease mm-hmm. right and then we applied the same model to chronic disease it doesn't work like that because what causes your hypertension may be inflammation. It might be insulin resistance in you. It might be toxins in you. It might be genetics in you. So applying one the same treatment to all of those different people, right? Yeah. W- one person's going to get results because you might get the right treatment for their right root cause. Right. And and it just exploded as chronic disease exploded. It exploded as we gave bad advice to people. The food pyramid, my God, eat six to eleven servings of spaghetti every day. <laughs> yeah. Amen, brother. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Cheerios are heart healthy. Right. Oh, you know, every like, time I see that commercial, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's crazy. So we gave bad advice to people. We took fat out of food. So if you look at when we went low fat. Everything started having massive amounts of sugar in it. Sugar right. industry yeah. was like, oh, sugar's not bad. Right. Sugar in moderation is, is okay, and it's because you're not exercising. That's the problem. You can't out-exercise a bad nutrition plan. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. Period. Period. Nutrition is the most important thing that we do. It fuels everything. It's our building blocks. Garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Man, we can sit here and talk to you all day. I um, feel like this could be like a three-hour podcast. <laughs> yeah, this could be I on agree. some Joe Rogan stuff, man. Because I, I think I watched this documentary called The Magic Pill. Um, it was on Netflix, and it's not there anymore. But it was talking about the same thing, about basically how we switched from a you know a, a, a hunter-gatherer's diet to now we're all eating grains and sugar. And, and, yeah. and, it's, and it's led to so many, um, so many health problems, right. you know. And they did some research where I don't know how you feel about the quote unquote keto diet. I don't, I don't really, 
it wasn't necessarily about the keto diet, but they started putting some of these people in light ketosis. And, you know, there was a young girl who all she ate, she was autistic and all she ate was like crackers and, and bread and, you know, like you said, Cheerios and Cheez-Its. And they put her on a diet of eating vegetables and healthy fats. And like the, the amount of development that she made in a short amount of time was, was incredible. Like she was actually, you know, sitting down and, and having conversations and drawing and talking to people. It was, it was crazy. And it just, the one thing I like about you is you, you show where you got your research from. And I think that's important because right now we don't know where to get the right information. Yeah. And what makes a healthy fat and not a healthy fat? Yeah. There's a lot that goes into that, but basically you, you have to look at how the fat was processed. Is it natural or is it a fat that exists because of some chemical transformation, right? right. So like olive oil, right? We Humans have been eating olive oil for thousands of years. How yeah. do we get olive oil? We compress an olive. It comes out. How do you get canola oil? Your Crisco. <laughs> yeah. You have to use gasoline, hexane, major constituent of gasoline, mm-hmm. to chemically transform the oils. And it goes through like a 17-step process, including something called deodification. Right. Literally, it smells terrible until yeah. they remove the odor. Yeah. Right. And then that goes into our bodies. It causes inflammation. It oxidizes quickly. So oxidized fats are the root cause of, of so heart disease not, and strokes. I didn't know that about Crisco. Yeah, yeah I didn't know yeah. that. And that's advertised as heart healthy. Again, if anything, if a food is marketing to you as, hey, my food is healthy, don't eat it. I, yeah. I agree with that. <laughs> anything that has a heart on it, I'm like, Mm-mm. yeah, yeah. Can't fool me. No, they're, they're no, no. Something, right? Do yeah. blueberries yeah. need a label on it to know that they're healthy? No. Does broccoli, right? Yeah. Does does um does like grass fed meat? No. Does salmon? No. There's no labels yep. on this stuff. <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah. everybody um, knows after different. I had yeah. my my second child, I was like, okay, I am I'm at home. I was resentful in all honesty of my husband because he got to go to work. And I had to stay home with the kids. And I hated it. I hated it. <laughs> um, but I started getting into um, the paleo diet, which I felt was the closest to what humans evolved from. You know, right. so like lean meats, fruits, vegetables, maybe seeds, nuts. That's about it. And mm-hmm. oh, very little processing. And... I lost 60 pounds in about a year, but mm-hmm. I, I was exercising uh, three to four times a week, not anything super over the top or anything like that. And that was the best time of my life. I yeah. I was, I felt like I could take on the world. <laughs> I mean, it it, yeah. it changed me. So I'm trying to get into that again. I, you know. I've- Change your mindset too. I feel like absolutely. Yeah. I feel like there's all these trendy, and I wanted I wanted to get your opinion on this. Actually, uh, I feel like there's all these trendy diets, right? So, like you had uh, the Atkins, which is what I, I grew up with, right? Atkins was really popular in the early two thousands, uh, right? And uh, you got the Atkins, the Paleo, the mm-hmm. Keto, and then you got the Carnivore. I, f- I feel like these uh, popular diets they don't work for everybody. I feel like. They're advertised as if they it, they are a cure all, but I believe that not all diets work for the same people. Absolutely, I feel like that depending on your your, your genes or um, just 
your body type, whatever. Your metabolic makeup. There yeah. you go. Thank you, Nick. I've been uh, listening to Dr. Richard Harris. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, wanted to get your opinion on, on these fad diets and what you think about um, how not all diets are, are made for just one person. Yeah, this is a really great question. I have never had a diet. I will never have a diet. I hate the word diet because when people think diet, they think I need to eliminate something. They right. think they need to starve themselves. They think they need to deny themselves. Right. I have a nutrition plan. I have a plan for what I eat to fuel my goals. Right. And uh, Max Lagaviri has an excellent book called Genius Foods. And when we were listening to him talk, my wife goes, hey, we eat all those foods. I go, yeah, uh, that was intentional. What's his name? <laughs> Max Lagaviri. And a book is called Genius Foods. He's got a podcast called Genius Life. And it was intentional what we eat because what we eat fuels our goals. What we eat helps me prevent the diseases that are in my family. I've looked at my genetics. I've looked at my metabolism. How I eat is specific to that. But in general, yeah, all these fads, they may not be right for you. And it takes some experimentation. And we even are at the age where we see food intolerance. Like You could be eating the right stuff and still be having issues. I had a client who had horrible acid reflux. She like was in shape, you know, if you look, if you saw her, you'd be like she looked good, she was yeah. attractive. You think she, she had everything together. Horrible acid reflux. We did a food sensitivity test. Her food sensitivity test came back. She was very sensitive to strawberries and cinnamon. What did she eat every day? Strawberries, strawberries and cinnamon. <laughs> and cinnamon. Wow. She cut those out. And then she felt better. Now, I'm not saying cut out strawberries and cinnamon because they both have lots of great benefits. But you have to listen to your body. If you eat something and you feel like crud every time you eat it, stop eating it. Even if you think it's the right thing because it might not be right for you. And the right specialist will help you navigate through these things. But I tell people, listen, there's some people who keto does better for. Keto is great for brain health. So people with autism and Alzheimer's and things like that. We're seeing great results on, on keto. Mm-hmm. There are some people who are very sensitive to plant anti-nutrients. That sounds weird. Plants don't like to be eaten. They've made things so that um, they, <laughs> they bind up nutrients to sterilize animals. Mm-hmm. Like, you can actually look this up. This is a real thing. Wow. Um, that's how they fight back. They can't, like, literally swing back, most plants, right? <laughs> right. So they made toxins to prevent nutrient absorption to sterilize populations that ate them. Wow. Some people yeah. are very sensitive to those oxalates and phytates. Some people are very sensitive to meat proteins. Like my wife, she cannot digest meat that well. She has yeah. to take digestive enzymes when she eats meat. Hmm. And so you have to listen to your body and you... You know, I tell people, start with a nutrition plan that has meats, fruits, nuts, vegetables, seeds, and then cook with olive oil and avocado oil. Start there and then listen to your body on how how it responds to things and then eliminate things that you don't respond well to. Right, yeah. Yeah. I know my body hates carbs and it hates ice cream. (laughs) Like, I eat a tortilla. But it loves it, too. I eat a tortilla, and I just bloat, like, three inches around yep. the belly. Same yeah. with me. Yeah. I, 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 I personally go low-carb because I feel yeah. like crud if I eat a lot of carbs, even uh, even if they're complex carbs. It's nap time. I, I agree. It is nap yeah. time if I eat one piece of bread. And like, anytime I, I eat bread yeah. or anything like that, pastas, I'm like, I just feel Like, it's lazy. delicious, but, I'm yeah. Done. I'm taking a nap after I eat it, whatever, yeah. whatever that. I'm yeah. not about that. So, so, Richard, if people take your courses, are you going to be able to customize their, like you said, you have a nutrition plan. You have a, a, a life, this is a lifestyle change. So are you able to... Because, I mean, one of the problems you had at Kelsey Siebel is you couldn't 
you know, really customize it for people. Are you able to do that with your wellness courses? Not with the courses because that requires some testing. Okay. And that requires some insight. Okay. Because I need information from you. You have to know your body and that takes some time to get used to. You have to tune out a lot of signals. Right. If you're eating a lot of processed food, if you're if you're sleep deprived, if you're all this, I don't know if it's the food or I don't know if it's these other things, right? And so we have to sequentially get all of the lifestyle stuff on on tap and then we can go back and take a take a look and, and try to figure out how to optimize things. But Understood. if you if you get all the lifestyle stuff down packed, that's gonna cover about ninety percent of it. Okay. Right. Yeah. The testing helped me cover the last 10%. And now, you know, I'm 39, about to be 39. And I feel better than I felt when I was 14. Wow. Yeah. I, I do want to say, like, I, I kept my weight off for about three years, up until about six, seven months ago. And uh, that's best I've ever felt. I just, it was just like what you said. I just, I didn't, I stuck, I stuck with keto for a while, for like maybe the first year, year and a half. But after that, I was just eating right, just eating healthy and portion control and all that. And that's, best i ever felt Mm -hmm. am i just like you said even when i was 14 like the best i ever felt yeah we we tend to think in this country that getting older means aging and they're different it's your mindset it's your nutrition i remember one of the things that clicked to me at kelsey siebold was i had a couple 95 96 years old no medications traveling the world Literally, they just came in to get blood work to That's make sure the dream everything right was there. okay. Yeah. And I wow. talked to them, and I was like, they had been following all the aspects of lifestyle medicine since they before we even knew that stuff. They're like, yeah. plastics? No, we don't do that. You know, we, we eat local foods. We yeah. exercise. 95, still exercise 30 minutes a day. Wow. All right? And, and they were living the dream. And that dream is possible for all of us, but you have to be in the right mindset. So a heart attack takes 15 years to develop. Alzheimer's probably takes 20 to 30 years to develop. So by the time grandma starts showing symptoms at 70, that process started at It 40, happened years ago. Yeah. Right? So you have to be proactive. It's like investing. How easy is it to retire a millionaire if you start investing when you're 18? Yeah. Very easy. Yeah. Doesn't take much. $100 a month. Yeah. And you can be multimillionaire by the time you retire if you put away $100 a month. Yeah. It's the same thing with your health. Now, it doesn't mean if you're older don't start you can still get the benefit but you get the most benefit the younger you start yeah i I, that's i'm so glad you mentioned that because as we as we wrap up this conversation like i said we can sit here and talk to you for hours man but that's what you know what i do want to want to point out is that we talked about a lot of people they think all the damage is done is it too late how can people start changing their lifestyle and their mindset today you just have to say this stops now that's the number one thing psychology says you have to have a Come to Jesus moment mm-hmm. where you say enough is enough. No more. This changes. And then once you have that moment, then go to the right people to help you figure this out. And then I'll realize that you're never going to be a finished product. Mm-hmm. I've been in the health and wellness business, not business. Well, in health and wellness since I was 16, I was yeah. a power lifter in college. I'm mm-hmm. still not a finished product. Right. I'm still learning. I still have health and wellness goals that I'm working on. Right now, I'm working on incorporating cold therapy. I hate cold showers. So I've been trying to figure <laughs> I've heard out that's a way. really, really good for your body, actually. It is. Yeah. It is. About three to 11 minutes, 11 minutes a week of cold for metabolic reasons. You burn more fat in, hmm. in, uh, when you're cold. Uh, three minutes a week improves your stress resilience. So you feel less stressed. Duly noted. So, and, and when it's for <laughs> stress, want you, want to, um, <laughs> you, don't, you want to resist the shivering. So you want that increases your resilience. If you want to burn fat, shiver away. 
because that's, that's right. what that's yeah. what helps you burn the fat. Gotcha. So that's one of the things I'm working on is incorporating cold therapy routinely because I just hate cold showers. Right. <laughs> that does anybody that's good. though? That's good. But it's just so just do it. Just I do hate it. to steal Nike's <laughs> slogan, but just do it. Um, so what do you say to the people who say being healthy that costs too much money and it takes too much time? Yeah, so I say you're not taking into account the opportunity cost. What's the cost of not being healthy? What's the cost of losing your leg? I got a point. I got something to put into that, too. It's really, vegetables are not that expensive. They're not. It's really not. It's, very um, cheap. it's the cheapest thing at the grocery store, actually. Mm-hmm. My grocery <laughs> bill persists of meats and vegetables, like fresh vegetables. Like, every time I cook dinner, it's fresh veggies every yeah. time. Nothing comes out of a can. Mm-hmm. And like, I chop up my own uh, peppers and onions and all that. Like, it's really not that. I spend maybe... Fifteen dollars in veggies that lasts a week, and then everything else goes to meats. Yep. And so, if you do like, if you're mainly, if you're worried about cost, go mainly plant based. I'm not yeah. saying vegan, but mainly plant based. Yeah. Plant proteins, beans, lentils, quinoa, uh, nuts, those types of things that that can last you a little bit longer. The data shows, on average, it costs about a dollar fifty more per day to eat healthy. Hmm. That's it. Right. And the other thing that people think of is they're going to eat as much as they eat when they eat processed food. You can eat a whole thing at McDonald's and be hungry two hours later than eat again yeah. because it has no nutrients. Your body's telling you to seek out nutrients. <clears throat> yeah. You eat less. The day, There's a really good study that showed that they had people ad litem eat, so eat whatever. And one was processed, one was unprocessed. The people who ate the processed foods on average ate 500 calories more per day. Well, the people because they still felt hungry. Food. Yeah, yeah, because they still felt hungry because their body wasn't getting the nutrients. It also slows down your metabolism. It, you get insulin resistance and inflammation and a whole host of bad things. Every ten percent increase in processed food you intake increases your risk of death from all causes by fourteen percent. Average wow. American eats sixty percent of their calories from processed food. I wish I could spit out numbers like this guy can. <laughs> this is look, man. We, we appreciate so much you being here. This is going to be my last question before we move on. Like. What's it like to most of the time be the smartest guy in the room? Like, <laughs> yeah, this is not cool, man. <laughs> uh, I'm actually not because I tell people if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong. You're room. in the wrong room. That's Amen, right. brother. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, man, thank you so much. One more time, please throw out to our um, our audience how they can listen to your podcast and how they can access your wellness courses. Yeah, podcast is called Strive for Great Health Podcast. It's available on all major podcast platforms. If you like what you heard today, that's what we talk about, right? I don't take donations on my podcast. I tell people, if you want to donate, donate to your favorite charity. I want literally the podcast to be a source of information to make the world a better place. And then I want you to turn around and make the world a better place with what you've learned. And then you can follow me on IG at DRHarrisMD. I post a lot of study reviews, a lot of reels where I talk about, you know, current studies. And my website is thegHwellness.com. It hosts the courses, the podcast, my e-store, all that good stuff. Awesome. Awesome. You guys go check it out. And once again, like I said, we're going to put that ivermectin research in the description of this video and on the uh, on the um, wherever you listen to your podcast. So um, let's get in before we move on to our game for tonight. Once again, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate it. We're going to put you in our element a little bit. If you'll give us if you give us the honor of doing that. But let's get an ad for Good for Dudes really quick. And um, guys, I know we were talking about COVID and ivermectin. Uh, just if we're not here when you get back, we did not kill ourselves. What's up, guys? It's Nick Stevenson again. Fellas, this time I'm talking specifically to you. And I want you to know it's okay. You don't have to be embarrassed. I know you want your skin to look good. 
Now, you haven't been taking care of your skin for years, and now every time you go to the coffee shop, they're offering you the senior discount. Now, maybe you've wanted to take care of your skin, but you just don't want to shop for products where your wife or your girlfriend gets her stuff. Well, fellas, why not just get your own stuff? All you got to do is go to goodfordudes.com. That's good, the number four, dudes.com. That's right. Good for Dudes offers a skincare product that is designed for men. Best part is it can be shipped right to your house. Fast and easy. You want something to help prevent signs of aging like wrinkles and dark spots? Try WTF. What's that? Simple. It just means wear on the face. After washing your face in the morning, apply WTF. After showering in the evening, apply WTF. If you've already got signs of aging, it's cool because this product will minimize those. And there's so much more. Just go see for yourself at goodfordudes.com. Once again, good, the number four, dudes, D-U-D-E-S, dot com. You want a promo code? Sure. Use the initials to this show, S-L-M-A-S. Smells like middle-aged spirit, and you'll get 10% off your order. What are you waiting for, Gramps? I mean, buddy, it's okay, guys. If you want to take care of your skin, just get your own stuff at goodfordudes.com. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the game show that is taking over the planet. It is called What the Hell is That? Now, I realized that we had not yet gotten a caller to participate in this. If you guys want to win some cold brew, go ahead and call the spirit line now. It's 832-835-3141. While I go over the rules, our producer, 3141. Are you sure? I'm positive. I know this number. We got 832-835-3141. I'm positive. Well, I wish you would have sent me the right thing when I posted that to Instagram <laughs> the other day. I'm that's pretty not sure. the number you gave me. <laughs> it's all good. I'm, I'm, okay. Yeah, it's it's 3141. It's I'm on the honest. screen. Nick, remember that right. one time when you got one of our advertisers' phone numbers wrong? <laughs> yes, I do remember that. Okay. <laughs> that did happen. Hey, man, I'm not perfect. Yep. Okay. And uh, if we don't get a caller, we'll just let either Naomi or... Uh, <laughs> Or Josh, um, sorry, or Con play, because Josh knows all the answers. But here's the rule. You're going down, Con. Um, Shit. <laughs> I did some extensive research on uh, WebMD, and I found some diseases slash uh, viruses and things of, of that nature that I'm going to read you the uh, symptoms, and I want you to diagnose those symptoms. Do we have a caller yet? We do not. Okay. I'm going to read you those symptoms. Would you like me to do the, do the sound drop? Or no? What the hell is that? No, 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 not yet. Speaking in cursive. When the game begins, that's when you'll hit that button. <laughs> Speaking in cursive. Thank you. Okay. So oh, you didn't give us the questions? I'm going to read you uh, the symptoms, and I'm going to read them off one at a time. Um, once you think you've got it, I want you to say, hey, I, I got it. I'm going to keep reading until you say, okay, I got it. And um, once you've got it, then we will let you diagnose it, and either our caller or one of our hosts will concur or not concur. But we're trying to give away some coffee, folks, so if you want to get some coffee, go ahead and call the spirit line. Um, somebody's texting me right now. Don't text me. Call the spirit it's line. It's worth it. I will, I will win that coffee. I've already sold about six, seven bottles at work already, so they're, oh. they're waiting for their order. You're going to so take up like all of the first order. Hey, I'm good at my job. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's just have some fun. And uh, we got a caller coming in. Oh, we do? We do. All right. Go ahead and let's answer the call live. Find All out right. who this is. Let me get it connected. Hi, Josh. There is that Josh Worth? There we go. There who am is. I speaking to? Good job, producer. Um, this is this is Lily. Hi, Lily. 
Thank you for You're tuning welcome. in and thank you for listening to the show. Uh, I have Dr. Richard Harris here who's going to diagnose some of the problems that I have based on the <laughs> symptoms. And he's going to tell me what the hell is that. All you have to do, Lily, is concur or not concur. And we're going to ask oh. you for, we're going to go through five. You have to get three of the five correct and we'll send you some free coffee. Ooh. Is everybody ready? Yep. Yep. Ready. yep, 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 yep. Lily, you ready? Yes. All right. Now you can hit that sound drop. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What the Hell is That? Okay. Here's disease number one, Dr. Harris. The first symptom is a thick gray membrane covering the throat and tonsils. Shall I read the next one? Oh my gosh, I know what this is. I can't remember the name. <laughs> the second is sore throat and hoarseness. <laughs> Swollen lymph nodes. Difficulty breathing or rapid breathing. Nasal discharge. Fever and chills. Uh, Fatigue. I can't, I can't remember the name. It's it's I've actually seen this. I've actually treated it. Okay. I, what I does it start with? Let's give, let's give it a name. stab. We gotta um, throw out something. Ludwig's angina. Ludwig's angina. Okay, Lily, do you concur or do you not concur? I will concur. <laughs> well, that is incorrect. <laughs> it's pseudomembrane is something, right? The answer is diphtheria. Oh. <laughs> He's like, I knew I that. I was, I was thinking of you. I was thinking of something completely. It's all different. good. It's all good. That's just one of five. We 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 got more. Uh, if he sounds like he doesn't know, I would suggest you maybe not concur. That's my suggestion. <laughs> right. Nick's pulling up a hard one. Here's tonight. disease number two. We're supposed to trust the doctors. <laughs> I did That's tell true. Nick to pull up ones that don't even exist okay. anymore, so I'm looking for some of those. <laughs> the first <laughs> symptom is tingling sensation, itching, and nerve pain. Ooh. All right. Blisters that gradually break open, ooze, and crust over. Is it still? Wait, who's guessing? That's right? nasty. Who's guessing? That's, uh, that's herpes. <laughs> Insomnia. Wait, are you going with herpes? Yeah. Okay, he's yeah. going with herpes. Do you concur? No. You do not concur, and you are correct for not I concurring. I think I know the answer to this. What is yeah, it? Buddy. Is it smallpox? No, it's shingles. That's herpes. Oh, so shingles. Wait, sh- shingles is herpes? Yeah, it's herpes zoster. It's a type of herpes. Okay, did you know shingles is herpes? This is what happens when you're not the smartest guy. <laughs> so that was right. Damn it. Well, he didn't specifically say shingles and you didn't concur, so we'll give you that point. All right. Next time, next time maybe he should ask us the question. All right, here's disease number three. All right, we've got headache, neck pain, and muscle pain with stiffness. Meningitis. He goes with meningitis. Do you concur? I concur. And you are correct. It is meningitis. Very good. Yeah. He knew that one instantly. All right. Uh, so we've she's got two, right? All right. Here's disease number four. Pain in the abdomen, chest, joints, and muscles. Chills and fever. Loss of appetite. Malaise. Excessive sweating. <laughs> Nausea, <laughs> diarrhea, and vomiting. Vomiting of blood. Bleeding from eyes, ears, and mouth. Ebola. What? He's going with. <laughs> he's going with Ebola. I think anything where you bleed out of the eyeballs is definitely. Do you Ebola. concur? Yes. You concur. We have ourselves yes, a winner do. of the free yes! cold brew oh, to Lily. Very, very good. We didn't even get to the last disease. 
Do you want to do the last one just for fun? Absolutely. Yes. Let's, Let's do the last yes. one just for fun. All right, here we go. Disfiguring pale colored skin sores. Just ew. ew. Lumps or bumps <laughs> lasting several weeks or months. This is definitely smallpox. Loss of feeling <laughs> in arms and legs. Leprosy. Yeah, you actually be right. Mycobacterium. Uh, it's a mycobacterium. So we're going with leprosy. We're going with leprosy. Do you concur? Absolutely, you do. Because I said it. <laughs> yes. You are correct. It is leprosy. Yeah, buddy. All right. The fact that Khan got that so quick, I'm I'm questioning everybody now. I'm questioning everything about. I should this. have been a doctor. I'm thinking about all the episodes of House yeah. I ever watched. <laughs> all right. Well, Lily, um, which one of uh, the Smells Like Middle Age podcast hosts do you know? I know Josh. You know Josh. Okay. So we have your information. So I we can get you. Like the other side. <laughs> <laughs> so we have this information, your information, so we know how to get the coffee to you, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you so much for playing our game. Uh, you're going to love that coffee. It's delicious. It's really good. Thanks, it's, really good. it's really good with texture burn. Thank you. All right, guys. That was What the Hell Is That? And um, that was fun. That was really, really fun. Is that it? <laughs> Let's go ahead and uh, mute the, the Bluetooth uh, channel. Uh, yeah, that's it, man. Oh, I thought there was more. No, nah, man. We just had to give. We had. Con wants more diseases. I was actually kind of having a good time with that one. Right. Yeah, that was fun. That was. Can fun. we use the buzzers next yeah, time? Yeah, we should use so, buzzers. Note to self: shingles and herpes are the same thing. <laughs> My bad. That makes it even more gross. <laughs> I had to hit the buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. It's cool. Oh, actually, that camera, like, Josh, wanted, what'd you do? The, I originally wanted him to hit the buzzer once he figured that he knew what it was, but um, I was getting kind of flustered by the fact that we had no callers. It's going to be all right. No, we did. We did. We did. We did good. Okay. Um, and that's my fault. I didn't have the graphic up then. And it's I also know something else, and I'll tell you later when we're not on the air. So. <laughs> Josh, you're go, doing a wonderful Josh. job, and I appreciate it. All right, guys. That's going <laughs> to do it for our show this week. Uh, thank you so much to our sponsors, to our oh, special God. guest, um, Richard Harris. And thank you to everybody who tuned in live. And thank you to everybody who's going to listen later on your favorite podcast app. Once again, I want to give you guys a reminder uh, to... Leave us a tip if you enjoyed the show um, or shop at the Spirit Swag Store so you can rep your favorite podcast in style. Use the promo code Spirit Sniffers for 10% off of your order. Um, this was fun. I hope you enjoyed it. And I, I hope did. it won't be the last time that we can do this. Guys, next week, I will not be here. Guess who's hosting the show? It's going to be my show, so get ready for the shit show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Y'all aren't going to want to miss that one. <laughs> yeah, it is, the, it is the return of conspiracies. Um, I will be eagerly awaiting um i might not get a whole lot of work done for that hour or two that you guys are <laughs> nick is gonna be on the live yeah, chat i will be on the live scrutinizing chat. our every sound every word no no no. you guys are gonna oh, do great. yeah he is i'm gonna drive him crazy <laughs> you guys are gonna do great i'm putting that juju out there and uh you guys are gonna do wonderfully so uh i'm gonna get us out of here for our special guest mr richard harris for the best damn producer in podcasting and the best damn podcast crew chris khan naomi richardson my name is Nick Stevenson, and we will see you next week. You've been listening to the Smells Like Middle-Aged Spirit Podcast. For more show content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to visit spiritswagstore.com for everything you need to wrap your favorite podcast in style.